I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. Welcome back to RIP Diets. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I actually had a very enjoyable Thanksgiving. I was kind of all over the place. I went to a couple different Thanksgivings and it ended up taking up the whole weekend, which is why I am recording this on Sunday before Monday and I'm putting it up on Monday. I just wanted to uh, let you guys know that the date that this podcast comes out might change sometime in the near future. For now, I'm doing it on Mondays just because that's kind of what I started doing. But that day might change or, you know, I might put it up a day late. Sometimes I do this podcast completely on my own. It's a very grassroots operation. I'm currently in my living room in my pajamas It is 12.30 p.m. on a Sunday. I have not changed out of my pajamas. I did brush my teeth and wash my face, so I think I deserve some applause for that. I'll hold for applause. But I am in my pajamas. But you know what? And also, I didn't even need to let you know that. Like, I could just have left it up to the imagination and you never would have known. But I want to keep it real with you guys, okay? I'm in my pajamas. Who knows if I'll get out of my pajamas today? We'll see. My boyfriend just took my sweet baby dog, Yahtzee, to the dog park. Because I said, can you take him to the dog park so I can record this podcast? Because... I get so uncomfortable when he's in the apartment, even if he's in the other room and I go in the bedroom and I I know he can hear me is the thing. I'm not quiet. I know he can hear me. And if I flub a word, I get really self-conscious or even if I don't like I just prefer doing a podcast in an empty room in an empty apartment. I can handle Yahtzee being here because he doesn't know English. So He's fine, but anybody else, and especially Andy, like, I I don't want him listening to a live podcast in the middle of the day. It's just, it's a little cringe to me. It's a little embarrassing. So I'm trying to knock this out while he's at the dog park with Yahtzee. This made me think about one of the biggest things that I'm thankful for. Speaking of Thanksgiving, the biggest thing that I've been thankful for this past year is getting my dog. He has seriously lit up my whole life. I had a really hard year last year for so many reasons. Oh my God. I mean, one of my best friends basically just stopped talking to me. And that was really, really hard. I mean, I hear a lot, especially online. I see videos about friendship breakups, or I've listened to podcast episodes about friendship breakups. And say what you want, but They really are just as hard as romantic breakups, in my opinion, because friendships, especially between women, they're so intimate. And this particular friendship, I mean, I thought we were going to grow old together. I thought we were going to be friends forever. And I can't even call it a falling out because nothing happened. Um, This person just stopped talking to me and I tried for a while and... After a while of me trying, it just seemed like they didn't want to. I just kept getting the feeling that they just didn't want to be my friend anymore. And that's their right. You know, I I've come to terms with it and I've made peace with the fact that maybe 
the friendship wasn't good for them or maybe they saw it coming to an end and they didn't know how to tell me and and decided to kind of ghost me a little bit. I really don't know. And I've made the decision to kind of let it lie because I do still care about that person. And I think if that's what's best for them is to not be friends with me, then I have to respect that. But that was one thing that really sent me into such a depression last year. And then on top of that, I lost a few people in my life. And I had never had somebody close to me pass away before. I I mean, I've had a, a couple grandparents pass away. And those were all hard, but those were all expected. And so a really good friend from high school, one who just was such a great person. And um, they tragically died last year. And that was really hard. It hit me so fucking hard. Um, It was really difficult for me to come back from that because I thought I had all the time in the world to reconnect with them. We kind of, we didn't see each other since before COVID. And then suddenly it was like three years went by and I didn't see or hear from this person. And we weren't, you know, we didn't see each other every day or anything. Like we actually rarely saw each other. But whenever we did see each other, it was just that comfort of this friend from high school who was always such a positive person and somebody who changed my high school experience so much when he died, um, it just came out of nowhere. And I realized that we don't have unlimited time with the people in our lives, even if we think we do. And just this attitude that I had, that I had all the time in the world to see this person. I could see him whenever I wanted. And we lived in the same city and, you know, I could hit him up whenever and we would be able to reconnect. I realized after he died that I actually don't have that guarantee with anybody in my life. And that was a really harsh reality check for me that like, oh, okay, the the relationships that I have in my life are impermanent. They're all impermanent. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter how close we are. Nobody is safe. And I really need to make an effort to tell the people in my life that I love them and to make an effort to see them. So that happened. I had a few very hard things in my personal relationships that I won't get into, but very hard. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not going to get into it too much, but the friendship breakup that I was talking about, that was so difficult. But then what's sometimes even more difficult is when you're at an impasse with people in your life and you you're fighting so hard to maintain a relationship with them, but they're just, there are obstacles in the way. And I had never really had that before. I had always been like kind of a free agent. I'd always been somebody who had friends and I didn't need to worry about potentially losing them or what I would need to do to keep our relationship intact. And man, I mean, it, it, it's been happening to me tenfold. I've just been feeling really abandoned by my friends through, you know, really no fault of their own. It's just sometimes when you're getting older, your priorities change. People that I used to see every other day, I now never see. And it's hard to get in touch with them. And they have whole lives. They have hectic jobs and full schedules. And 
I just feel so disconnected from so many people in my life. There's no constant in my life. It just feels like sometimes my family, they're the only people that I can really count on. They're the only people that are really going to be there with me no matter what. And I used to see my friends as my family. There are still like a few close friends that I do see as my family. But even them, I'm like, oh, my God, it... I have so much anxiety, like, am I going to lose them too? After losing a few people, losing literally, like, as in they passed away or losing as in we we just don't talk anymore. After that, I I just started to view every relationship in my life as like, wow, is this going to be the last time I see them? Do they even want me in their life? And I started getting anxiety about it. I've been struggling with it a lot. Anyway, I'm rambling now, but this is all to say that this past year, getting my dog, it helped my anxiety and it helped my depression so much. And I just wanted to tell you guys how helpful it is to have a pet when you struggle with mental health or just if you struggle with loneliness in general. Having a pet has really helped me so, so much. Getting a dog has been so great for my mental health. Having Yahtzee there, now granted, he can be a little bit clingy. He can be a little bit annoying. I said on another episode that when I sit down to eat my lunch, he just sits there and barks at me and I'm trying to teach him hush, but sometimes he'll hush for like two seconds and then start barking again. It's really fucking annoying and I'm going to take him to a trainer this week to see what I can do about it, but It's not all roses and rainbows and butterflies, I will say that. But in general, he has just become my best friend. And I wrote a little short list about the things that he has done for me that has helped so much with my mental health. First of all, going on morning walks. Now, sometimes in the past, I have been a little bit of a shut-in when I'm struggling with mental health. I don't want to go outside. I am really prone to, like I said, staying in my pajamas, getting under a blanket, not wanting any sunlight on my face. I I kind of board up the doors and wait for the storm to pass, so to speak. And you can't do that when you have a dog. You really can't because they are living, breathing things that depend on you. So that was a little bit of a hard adjustment. Like, okay, I need to take him out in the morning and take him for a walk. It doesn't matter if I feel sad or if I'm anxious or if I'm depressed or if I just don't feel like going outside. I need to take him out for a walk. He requires exercise. He requires stimulation and he needs to pee. So I need to take him out. However, the other side of that is that I've been actually getting morning sunlight and I've noticed the changes that that has caused in my brain over this past year. Getting a little bit of morning sunlight, getting a little bit of vitamin D in the morning, it has been so helpful. My day is so much better getting that morning sunlight. I really feel like it's made a huge difference throughout my day. My energy is higher. I've actually been up to exercising more. Um, because exercise begets more exercise. It's the weirdest thing. Like you go for a morning walk and then throughout your day, you're just, you're more inspired to move throughout the day. So that's another thing. It's not just the sunlight. It's also just getting some steps in, in the morning, I think. So then we usually go to the dog park and 
going to the dog park has forced me to be more social. I've been meeting other people in my neighborhood who also have dogs. They're all so nice. They're such cool people at the dog park. I didn't realize that the dog park was the hot spot of the neighborhood. It is where I do most of my socializing. And I never thought about it before. You know, I always wanted to be a full-time podcaster. Um, And I used to work a full-time job in addition to podcasting. That was before I was making enough money off of podcasting to sustain myself. And I did that for three or four years. I worked a full-time job. And then after that, after I left my full-time job, I was still working part-time. I was nannying. I was really happy doing that because it gave me the freedom to be creative. But it took up a lot of time and It took a lot of patience, for sure, being a nanny. And then I stopped doing that during COVID because the kids that I babysat didn't need a babysitter. They were home with their parents full time. (laughs) So I stopped doing that and then found a way to make it happen. And now I'm a full-time podcaster, which I love. What was I saying? Oh, (laughs) God, my ADHD is really going to be the undoing of me. What I realized after actually becoming a full-time podcaster, which was my dream, it's, I'm not complaining about it. It's like, you can't complain about anything nowadays because then you're ungrateful. I'm so, so grateful for my career. I'm so grateful for my job. I love it so much. And I have freedom, like the freedom that I always wanted, I finally have. And it's so wonderful. But the other side of that is that I don't socialize with that many people. Sometimes I just spend the whole day by myself. And that's that takes a toll on you. It really does. You need to be able to socialize with other people, especially when you struggle with mental health, especially when you have anxiety issues like I do. You need to get some socialization in. So Going to the dog park in the morning, even though that's not a ton of socializing, it's definitely not as much as you get if you go into a a nine to five every day. It has made such a big difference just having nice, friendly conversation, talking to people about their dogs or just meeting new people and getting new friends. Like I, I never thought I would make new friends as an adult, but that really has opened some doors for me that I didn't know were possible. So that's been really great. And then also just the comfort of having an animal. If I am about to have a panic attack or I'm just feeling depressed or uneasy. It really is true, the whole emotional support animal thing. They help so much with anxiety. He can sense when I'm not feeling well, and he'll come over to me and put his head in my lap, and it is better than Lexapro. I'm telling you, it is It is better than any drug. I understand now so well how people with traveling anxiety will have an emotional support dog that they take with them on the plane. I get it now. I used to kind of make fun of it a little bit, but now I I so get it. I wonder if I could take Yahtzee on a plane. I don't really have traveling anxiety, though. That's the thing. It's like I actually love flying on planes. I feel like it's like a roller coaster. What I don't like is going through the airport. That just turns me into a different person. I turn into such a little gremlin. I feel bad for Andy for having to deal with me. We went to Mexico City a little while ago and I was a fucking monster at that airport. Oh my God, I feel bad for him. But 
it's so nice to have a pet there when you feel like you're spiraling out of control. Just somebody who you know loves you unconditionally and who you love unconditionally. And then the final thing that I think is so helpful is having necessary tasks that you need to do every day to keep this animal alive and happy. Not only is it nice to have something to focus on other than yourself, but it's just these little tasks that you have to do. Like, I have to take him out. Like I said, I need to take him out a certain amount of times a day for him to be okay. I need to get his food and water in the morning. I need to bathe him. I need to, when we come back from the dog park, I need to wipe him down with the grooming wipes because he rolls around in the dirt. So I have to, you know, clean him. I have to make sure that the house is tidy. Like I need to put away his toys because he takes all of his toys out of his little toy box and leaves them all around. Training, like I need to devote a certain amount of time during the day to training. I need to make sure he's socialized. Having these little tasks throughout the day, it just helps keep you grounded in a way and it helps you get out of that never-ending loop of anxiety in your brain because you're like, okay, I, I need to do this right now. And just the act of getting his food, getting his water, taking him out, um, bathing him, brushing him, spending time with him, just the act of doing it, it helps you get into a routine and that helps you uh, not feel like you're going crazy. I would highly recommend it. And, you know, having a dog isn't for everyone. It is a lot of work, especially in the first year. It's been very challenging in many ways, but you don't have to get a dog. I would say if you struggle with mental health and you're thinking about getting a pet, there are lots of pets that I think would help with anxiety. I mean, cats are way lower maintenance than a dog. You can leave them alone for longer. They're way more independent. They don't need you as much. They don't cling to you as much. But I still think they offer a lot of comfort for people who struggle with mental health. And if a cat is even too high octane for you, there are so many other pets. I mean, get a fish. I even think feeding a fish every day and being able to look at it and, and watch it when you feel like you're spiraling, I think that would be so helpful. So um, maybe a starter pet, get a, get a fish, get a beta fish or something, some kind of cool little animal that's very low maintenance. Again, pets are not for everybody, but I I really truly think it's a great thing to do if you're like me and you struggle with mental health and you spend a lot of time alone. I just, I, I spend so much time alone and, and sometimes I get so lonely and having him there, you're never alone when you're with an animal. You're really not. So now that I've gone on that little tangent about animals and mental health and how it's helped me, I know that's a little bit out of the ordinary for this podcast, but it's just something that I've been thinking about in the wake of Thanksgiving. He is the thing that I am by far the most thankful for this past year. So it's just some food for thought. Please slide in my DMs and tell me if you agree with me, if you've gotten a pet and if it's helped you with your mental health, I would love to hear about it and also see pictures of your animals. So moving on to my bone to pick for today, (laughs) the mood is about to shift, people. The mood is about to shift. My bone to pick is with influencers. I hate influencer culture so much, if you couldn't tell. My bone to pick is with influencers 
heavily filtering and editing their photos and their videos. I've spoken about this before on social media, but I have been seeing so much shit online that is so obvious. And guys, I'm not talking about people like the Kardashians. I did a whole episode on the Kardashians earlier in the season, and I do think they can be problematic, but I'm not even talking about them. I am talking about influencers who have built their brand on being quote, relatable and having, you know, dedicated fans, you know, parasocial relationships are weird. Parasocial relationships, they're not real relationships. They're ones that have been cultivated through a screen and they only go one way. So you might feel really close to your favorite influencer and you feel like you really, really know them and you really trust them, but they actually don't know you. And it's a very weird thing. I was a podcast fan as a 16 year old, which it wasn't cool back then. It was actually extremely nerdy um, and I was ashamed of it. I like didn't tell people about it, but I was addicted to this one particular podcast, which if you've been following me for a while, you know which podcast it is. And I had a parasocial relationship with the hosts of that podcast. So I know what it's like. I know that you could not know these people at all in real life, but you feel so close to them. You feel like they get you and you understand them and they understand you and that relationship, it's not real, but it is real. It's real to you. So this is why I get so fired up when I see influencers being really dishonest to their fans, because you're essentially duping your fans by lying to them and by filtering and editing your videos. There's one influencer that I'm thinking of right now. I'm not going to say who, but she has come under fire many, many times for being a huge perpetrator of this culture. She basically puts her videos through a stretching filter to make herself appear thinner. This account is probably the one that gets under my skin the most because they have millions of followers and they are a fashion account. So using stretching filters and etching on abs and making yourself appear skinnier. It's sending a message that in order to be fashionable and in order to be fabulous like you, you need to be really, really thin. But meanwhile, you're not really that thin. So I really hate seeing that and I really, really don't like it. People have called them out in the past for the dishonesty and the misrepresentation of what their body looks like, but they just keep doing it. And I feel like at a certain point, it might be just a way to troll us, to be like, yeah, I know that you know that I'm doing this, but I'm still gonna do it. Because the more that I do it, the more people talk about it. And all publicity is good publicity. But I think that's really disregarding the closeness that people feel when they follow an influencer and when they become their favorite influencer. It's really disregarding the validity of that parasocial relationship that I was talking about. And I really just can't stand it. I think it's so disingenuous. I think it's so gross and manipulative. And I think we should ban these stretching filters. Like I wish there was a way that I could write a petition to make these stretching filters illegal. This is kind of in the same vein. This happened a while ago. And guys, I know that this is not very timely, but 
Did you guys see all the controversy around that Michaela makeup girl? I think her TikTok is Michaela J Makeup. Let me just check that to make sure. Her name is Michaela Naguero Hawken, and her handle is Michaela J Makeup. So this, again, this happened a while ago. She did an ad for L'Oreal Telescopic Lift Mascara. I remember what kind of mascara it was because I use this mascara. And side note, guys, this mascara is amazing. It really is really good mascara. And it's from the drugstore. I only buy drugstore mascara. There's no need, in my opinion, to buy high-end mascara because A, it only lasts three months. And B, it's essentially tar. Like, it's basically material that they fill cracks in the road with. So I just don't think you need to buy high-end because I don't think it's actually high-end when we come down to the formulation of it. But I digress. Anyway, she was doing an ad and she disclosed that this was an ad, a partnership rather with L'Oreal. So she puts on the mascara and she does, you can look up this video. I think she took it down. But if you just Google Michaela L'Oreal mascara, you can see the original video because a lot of people saved it and then reposted it. It was a big controversy. She applies one coat of the mascara and she's like, wow, it already looks so good. Okay, now I'm going to do a second coat. And then she cuts to her lashes looking so long. And she's like, wow, guys, this mascara is crazy. It's amazing. You need to buy it, whatever. People noticed that she was very clearly wearing false eyelashes in the second cut. So basically what looked like in the video, her just applying this mascara and it making her lashes look really long and full and separated and fabulous, she actually had applied false eyelashes in the middle of it. I don't think I need to explain why this made people angry. It made a lot of people angry. But I was kind of thinking about it and I was I was thinking about what is the difference between an influencer doing an ad or a sponsored video and watching a commercial on TV? Because I know for a fact that when I see mascara commercials on TV, I know that they're applying false lashes in at least some of those commercials. I have been fooled by mascara commercials before. Um, I'm looking at you, Maybelline Great Lash. And I have thought that, wow, this mascara is amazing. It's going to make my lashes look just like the woman in the commercial. And it ends up really not fulfilling my expectations because in the commercial, they have all of this witchcraft that they're doing. They have all of this sorcery and um, special camera techniques. And also they're applying falsies to the models to make their eyelashes look great. And that is totally kosher and totally a common practice. But what is the difference between doing that and an influencer doing essentially the same thing? I've come to the conclusion in my own mind that the difference between a commercial that you would see on TV for mascara where they're clearly using false eyelashes and a sponsored video by an influencer is that parasocial relationship, that closeness that people feel and that trust that people feel toward their favorite influencer, especially a makeup influencer. Like you're supposed to be showing the actual quality and integrity of the products. You're not supposed to be 
trying to sell these products with these fake tactics that the company might use in a commercial. It's supposed to be a firsthand account of your experience with that product. So that's why people got so mad is because we're going to Michaela's page. Well, not we, like not me, but people are to see what products she would recommend because we like the way she does her makeup and we trust her judgment when it comes to these products. So it's really twisted when you think about it to use those fake tactics and to manipulate your audience into thinking that what they're seeing is reality when it's really not. It's really dishonest. It's really uncool. And I'm seeing this more and more because brands have really caught on to the fact that the influencer model is a great way to sell products. It really is. Because like I said many times already, that relationship that people feel with their favorite influencers, you just can't replicate it through traditional marketing and traditional advertising. You really can't because they feel like they're getting almost a personalized recommendation from somebody that they know and trust. So this is all to say, if you're an influencer and you're going to take on these brand partnerships and you're going to make videos for a brand, I think you need to be really conscious of how you're selling the stuff and of maintaining that integrity. Because eventually, if you sell faulty products or if you sell products that you don't really believe in or you use these false advertising techniques, people are going to catch on and eventually the influencer model is going to die out because people aren't going to trust these influencers anymore. They're going to realize that they're only in it for the money. And just like the brand itself, they're just going to try to keep shilling these products, whether they believe in them or not. Anyway, that's my bone to pick. I would love to hear what you guys think about that. Andy just got back with Yahtzee. (laughs) You know what, guys? I'm just going to end it there. I have another episode planned for next week. And It's kind of um, a banger, if I do say so myself, but I needed a little more time to research the topic because I want to speak really well about it. So get excited for next week. I'm doing an expose of sorts. In the meantime, you can email me or DM me if you want advice, if you want to give me feedback, if you just want to say hey, uh, you can email ripdiets at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram. I'm at Lubination and the account for the podcast is ripdiets. Slide in anytime. I say it all the time, but hearing from you guys literally is the highlight of my day aside from cuddling with my dog in the morning as I already stated. And until next week, peace, love, RAP diets. (laughs) 